Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. We want to thank you guys so much for listening to the Overflow Podcast. It's such an honor that you would take time out of your week to tune in, whether you listen weekly, whether this is the first time. We just appreciate so much that you would take the time to listen to all the incredible things that are happening at Overflow Church. We had a few uh technical difficulties uh, during our service today with the recording, uh, so we missed the first several minutes. So I wanted to sit down and just go over the uh, catch you up to where we are at during our service. And we're starting this series uh, called Fruitful, and we're talking about having developing lasting fruit in our lives, the kind of fruit that God desires and that hopefully we want to see in our lives. And our study has taken place mostly in John chapter 15 and in the scriptures uh, in John chapter 14 through 16. This is Jesus teaching uh, a lengthy teaching uh, before his arrest. And so we know that these are important things that Jesus is saying. And nestled there in the middle in John chapter 15, Jesus shares this story about being fruitful. And he says this in verse one of John chapter 15. He says, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I am them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But... If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. One translation says, if you produce fruit, you are truly my disciples. And then he says this, this brings great glory to my father. In this passage, we learn several things about Jesus, ourselves, and God the Father. And the first thing that we learn is that God is a gardener. Jesus said it, my Father is the gardener in verse 1. You know, gardeners want fruit. In fact, that's why a gardener would have a garden. That's why he would be a gardener is because he wants to have fruit. He wants to have the work of his hand produce. God wants fruit. In our lives. Uh, he wants fruit for him. He wants it for us. And we're going to jump into the message right now. By us bearing fruit in our lives, it brings glory to God. Why does it bring glory to God for us to bear fruit? Because he's the farmer. Because he planted us and he's grooming us. So God is a father. What, what, what do we mean when we talk about, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about, first of all, we're talking about character right? The fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about the quality of our life, of, our, of, of, of who we are, the things that, that come out of our lives, the way that we act, come on, the way that we think, the way that we function, 
right? Our good works, but he also, also our productivity, the things that we do. How many know that God wants you successful? God wants to prosper you. Oh, oh, careful, careful. No, God wants you to be prospered. God wants you to be fruitful. God wants the work of your hand to be great. God wants excellence out of your life. Even if you're working at McDonald's, he wants your work to be good. He wants to bless your work. So God wants you fruitful from, your, from your, the fruit of the Spirit, from your good works, and your productivity, godly character, good works, and a prosperous hand. How many know that your fruit is for God? Fruit brings God glory, so our fruit is for God. It's like we do something, and it's like God eats it, right? God, God feasts on the fruit of our lives in a good way. And I love this. that He says this. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go, in verse 16, and produce lasting fruit. If you study that out, the reason why it says lasting fruit is because some fruit spoils over time. But not the fruit in God's garden. God, the fruit in God's gar- garden remains. In fact, it doesn't remain. It actually gets finer. The fruit in God's house gets better with age. It doesn't spoil. Are you with me? So God is a gardener. Number two is he plants in a garden. God has a garden, right? When God created the earth, he created a what? A garden, the garden of Eden. Why? Because God was going to plant a person there. God was going to plant a man there. Someone made in his image. He said, they're going to be like I am. They're going to be gardeners also. And so what God does is he plants people in gardens. How many know that God puts you in a place to produce? Because what we like to do, this is what we like to do. Well, I would be more fruitful if I was in a different garden. If I had a better job, I would be happy. If I had a better spouse, I'd be more peaceful. If my kids were this way, I would be this way. But how many know that our fruit as a believer, it has nothing to do with what's going on on the outside. Our fruit has everything to do with what's going on on the inside. So your fruit is produced from what's inside of you. Not with what's going on out there. My job, my situation, it sucks. My school, these people I'm around, my environment dictates. Your environment does not dictate your fruit. Not in this kingdom. God always plants where you can produce. So know that in your job, if you're serving Jesus, if you're following Jesus, God put you there to produce. If you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, God planted you there to produce good hamburgers. Not the hamburgers that McDonald's normally produces. But because you're flipping that burger, that's the best Mickey D's burger I've ever had. Come on. Why? Because God plants you in places to be fruitful. And we go, well, if it was a different restaurant... I would cook good hamburgers. If my spouse was nicer to me, I would be nicer. If I would just get the right opportunity, I would be successful. God says, succeed where you're at. 
And if I want you somewhere else, I'll plant you there. Oh, come on. So we don't, we don't, we don't depend on fruit that falls. We have fruit that flows. We don't live from season to season. We live from glory to glory. Come on, are you with me? In fact, Scripture talks about, and we'll dig into this in coming weeks, that we are, not, we are fruitful in season and out of season. As a believer, you don't have seasons of fruitfulness. You're always fruitful. And we'll talk about that later. Number three, God empowers us to bear fruit. How many know that we are the branches? Verse five, right? We are the branches, right? We are. What do branches do? Branches bear fruit, right? It says, Genesis 128, it says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. So here God creates a garden because he's a gardener, right? He puts a man in that garden because he wants fruit. And then he tells the man, the first thing that he tells the man is this, be fruitful. I put you in a garden. I'm a planter. Be fruitful and multiply. It's easy to overlook the method, isn't it? The method is be fruitful. The mandate is multiply. And many times we overlook the method for the mandate, don't we? I mean, how many we talk about that? Let's multiply. Let's make disciples. Kingdom come on the earth. Let's see lives transformed. But what is the method? What is the method for the kingdom expanding on the earth? Fruitfulness. Listen, don't overlook the method. Be fruitful and multiply. You Listen, the thing with the seed, seeds, you don't have a seed. You don't walk outside and then there's a seed. You walk outside and there's fruit. The thing that makes fruit botan botanically, isn't that how you say it? Botanically speaking, what makes a fruit a fruit is that it bears seed. So your fruit bears seed. The only way that you can produce is if you have fruit. That's right. So fruit cannot multiply without being fruitful. It can be a fruit, I'm a fruit, I'm a fruit, but it can't be multiplied, <laughs> right? Are you with me? All right. So, again, fruit is a seed-bearing structure. So we cannot, listen, we cannot multiply. We cannot expect to be blessed. We cannot expect to see lives transformed around us. We can't ex expand to have a greater influence on the earth. Unless we are first fruitful. Unless we are first fruitful. Look at your neighbor and say, you're here to bear fruit. All right, you with me? All right. Yet, yet, there are a lot of people that say, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. Because I'm an American, I'm a white, white American. Of course, you're Christian. I live in the Metroplex. <laughs> there are a lot of people that are professing Jesus, but they don't have any fruit in their life. They go to church a couple times a month, maybe, if they're really committed. And they say, I follow Jesus, but they don't have any fruit in their life. In fact, if you compare them to someone in the world or someone that's like, 
of a false religion like Jehovah Witness or Mormons or something like that, you compare them to the Jehovah Witness is actually a better person. And they go, I'm a, we're the salt of the earth. And it's like, what's the fruit like? You're talking about it, but we can't see it. You look just like the world. Or not as good. This is what I'm finding. There, there, sometimes there's more morality in the world than there is in people that are calling themselves Christians. And I'm like, why is that? I mean, why is that? That there's people that say, I'm a Christian, but they don't have any fruit that says Christian. Check this out. Why is that? All right. Matthew 720. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. We, we have this slogan that we love in the church and the world and our society that says, judge not lest you be judged. Well, I'm not condemning you by saying, you said you're a Christian, you should have joy. You're a Christian, you should have peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, conviction. Come on, you're different than the world. I'm not judging you. I'm identifying you. A tree is identified by its fruit. What in your life looks like Jesus? Jesus, I'm a Christian. That means, this is what that means. It doesn't mean you're born in America and you go to church. That's not what it means. Christian means follower of Christ. That means I follow his teaching. So what does our fruit look like? Does it look like Christ? Or does it look like the world? Does it look like the world? In case you guys missed it. Or does it look like Christ? What does my fruit bear? What does the things that are in and around me and coming out of my life look like? Does it look like Jesus? Or does it look like the world? Can I tell you something, gang? Let me just tell you. I know our world's crazy. It's a mess. We're just going to complain about it because that's what the world does. We are supposed to be different. Jesus promised the world would hate us. It's a promise. Put it on your refrigerator in a colorful little flower magnet with papyrus font. Some of y'all are laughing. You know. You know. Listen, if the world listen, the world shouldn't hate us because we're mean spirited. But the world should hate us because we're like Jesus. How many know Jesus was hated? He said, they'll hate you too. So why is that that we have people that say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but they have no fruit? Why is that? I'm going to tell you, because since you're asking the question. How many of y'all ask that? Why is that? I'm not talking about like you're accusing, like, right? But why is that? It's a good question for us to ask. So Jesus gives an answer. Mark chapter 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says this, that Jesus began teaching by a lake, and the crowd gathered around him, and it was so large that he got into a boat and sat on it, sat in it. So get this picture, right? There's, Jesus is teaching. People keep showing up. He has to, there's no more room on the land. Rather than moving the people back, he just steps into a boat and starts teaching. 
from a boat along the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen. I love that when Jesus says, listen. Because it's like, we're listening anyway, right? So when he says, listen, it's like, what I'm about to tell you is really important. Everything I'm saying is important. This is really important. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. And then Jesus goes into the interpretation. Now, one of the things I love about Jesus interpret, interpreting his own scripture is that we don't have to do our work to interpret it for him. <laughs> right? So Jesus is like, this is what I said. The disciples are like, well, we don't understand it. And then he tells them, well, if you don't understand this, you can't understand any of the parables. And then he says this, the farmer sows the word. Everybody say the word. The farmer sows the word. I mean, you know, the, the, the reason why we call the word a seed is because a seed has life inside of it. A seed has the ability to produce. But can I tell you that a seed is only potential? You don't eat seeds, or maybe sunflower seeds, right? But typically, we don't eat seed. We plant seed. Oh, come on, somebody. When you get that paycheck, you plant seed. No, preacher, talk about money. Absolutely. Jesus talked a lot about money. All right. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word away that was sown to them. Other seeds sown on rocky places hear the word at once, receive it with joy. Yes, it's a good word, Lord. But since they had no root, it only lasted a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes quickly because of the word, they quickly fall away. How many times have we seen that? Still other seeds, like sun among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, oh, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Other seeds sown on good ground hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. The seed. What is the seed? The seed is the word of God. The seed is what God has spoken. The incorruptible seed. See, the, the thing with God's seed is when God speaks, it's incorruptible. You can't destroy the seed of God. You can't destroy what God has said. It has incredible potential in it. It is the, the most potent thing on the planet is what God says. Are you with me? The mo I mean, that's how the earth was fashioned. It was formed by God speaking. You were fashioned. You were formed by God speaking. God said. God thought. Then God said. Boom. Everything changed. It's incorruptible. The word of God is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. People might corrupt it in their mind, but the word itself is not corruptible. First uh, Peter one twenty three says this, that we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. 
Through the living and enduring word of God. So in, what God says doesn't perish. It doesn't return void. It's absolutely perfect, and it's life-giving. It's powerful. There's power in the seed. But if you know anything about planting, gardening, growing, you know that good soil is crucial. So it's no matter how good the seed is, if it does not have good ground, it won't produce. Are you with me? No matter how good the seed is, no matter how powerful, and no matter how eternal, no matter how everlasting, incorruptible the seed is, no matter how amazing it is, if that seed does not have a good place to get planted, it will change nothing. It is simply potential, and it ends there. But if this word gets in good ground, it produces a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. Are you with me? Okay, listen. The potential of God's life-giving, fruit-bearing word is contingent. Contingent upon our capacity to receive it. Let me say that again. The potential of God's life-giving, fruit-bearing word is contingent upon our capacity to receive it. So if you don't have a capacity to receive the word of God, the word of God will make no influence in your life. This is why we can go out and we can preach the gospel. People can listen to messages. But if they don't allow their heart to receive it, no change will happen. I've been preaching the word all their life. I've been preaching. But what about this? Oh, the word of God, it'll never return void. And we stand on that. We know that the, the word is potent. But if it does not fall on fertile ground, it will not produce. It will not produce. So what we pray here every week before service, we gather right over there in the corner. We say, God, we pray today that the hearts will be ready to receive your word because we know that his word is powerful. If his word is preached, it will transform any life that has a capacity to receive it. But if you do not have the capacity to receive it, it will not do anything for you and it will not produce fruit. So you have, listen, it's crazy. It's crazy. This is how powerful the word of God is. Back to the earth. Created all life by the word of God. God breathed, he spoke, everything was transformed. However, us, our ability to receive that word can dictate the potential of that power. If you don't have a heart condition to receive the word, the word will return void in your life. The word will never return void, but it will in your life. It will not produce. Jesus taught us this very clearly. So there's three heart conditions that keep us from being fruitful. How many of you do not want to be unfruitful? How many of y'all want to be fruitful? Let's make it positive. We want to be fruitful, right? You want to look like Jesus. Come on. You want to do good works. You want to be successful. You want to see your hand prosper in whatever job it is that you're doing. Whatever projects you're doing. What, 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 your, what family you're raising. What career you're going after. You want to be successful. If you want God to bless it, there's three things that can actually snuff out the power of God. First is hardness. The, fir the first area is hardness. The hard-hearted. The hard-hearted. Jesus talks about it this way. He said, a, a farmer goes out and sows a seed, and some fell along the path, and then the enemy, the enemy came and ate that up. The Word of God. He ate the word. You think it would change the burden? Didn't. Don't, don't go too deep there. Listen. 
We'll go to a service. God will come and he'll speak. You'll leave unchanged. We'll pick up our word. We'll pick up our Bible. We'll read it. We leave unchanged. Many people, because of hardness of heart, because of hardness of heart, maybe they're bitter, maybe they're wounded, maybe they're calloused, maybe they're cold, maybe, you've, maybe you're rightfully wounded. Oh, this happened to me when I was a young age. I understand that. So what you've done is you've spent your life blocking things out, allowing your heart to be cold, allowing your heart to be calloused. And you want the Word of God to change you, I'm telling you, what you need is you need God to break the hardness of your heart. And you need to ask for that. So don't ask for more Word. Ask that God would break your hardness. Come on. Bitter, cold, guarded, numb. What causes that? Unforgiveness, pride, rebellion, an unteachable spirit. An unyielding spirit. I'm going to do things my own way. Guess what? God can't work with that. We got to be bendable. We got to be pliable. We got to be soft. We've got to be vulnerable. This is how we read the word. I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. What is that? That's hard hardened, that's stiff necked. You know what stiff neck means? That means that you're set in your ways. And you won't allow the Word of God to turn you. Hard-hearted. Stiff-necked. The thing is, is you can humble yourself, and you can be humble yourself before the Lord, or the Lord can come and humble you. And He will. Because God is interested in you bearing fruit. Not in you being happy and content or miserable or whatever in your situation. He wants you to bear fruit. So if we want to bear fruit, then we must allow the brokenness to come. Whether I get before the Lord and I humble myself and I allow him to break me, or I have to go through something difficult and God will use it. God won't cause it, but God will use it to break me. So don't, don't have to go through something. Trust me, I've had to go through my good share of stuff to break my stiff-neckedness. Because there are areas in my life where I get hard, where I get firm, and I'm going to do it this way. And God goes, you're not getting before me with that. You're going to be stubborn about it. And he's like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see now. And I'm glad he does it because now I can bear fruit in that area of my life. Isn't it interesting that the, the enemy can steal what God has revealed? How can the enemy steal what God has done? Because the hardness of heart. The second kind of ground that will keep us from, or the second heart condition that will keep us from yielding fruit is the shallow emotional hearer. It says this, other seeds in rocky places hear the word and once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When I was a youth pastor, we saw this every summer, Right? Right? The summer gets here, like people aren't around their friends, whatever, they're bored, they spend a lot of time at church, they, they encounter God in a real way, they go to a youth camp or a youth service or something, God comes and they're like, yeah, with great joy, I'm excited, I love God. And then they go back to school and the sun gets turned on and they're like, oh, I don't know if I love God anymore. 
Or I'll just kind of disappear. You know what? I saw that with young people, but you know what? Adults are the same way. God comes and he does something. We receive it with joy. But because this the soil in our heart is a little rocky or because we're not willing to develop some depth because depth takes time. Because we're not willing to get into a, a place in our house and spend 30 or 40 minutes with Jesus. We have no depth. So what happens is when the enemy comes in, we're utterly destroyed. Or when stuff gets tough, we're like we were last week or worse. Why? Because you're shallow. I know that ain't nice, Pastor. I know that ain't nice, but it's, it's reality. Listen, if you want fruit, you got to develop root. With no root, there's no fruit. So you got to dig deep. It's got to be more than coming to a service and raising your hand and wobbling a little bit. It's got to be deeper than that. We love that. Y'all don't love it that much, but I do. I mean, I'm not ready for you guys to be like thrashing here. Let's go, y'all. Like, uh, we white people, we don't worship like that. We need to, yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. I'm being for real. What are you going to do about it? So we have like this excitement, this emotional, oh, it's so good. It's so good, and we don't have any root. So what we decided to do years ago, whenever. We decided that we were going to develop people deep. We weren't really concerned about how big our student ministry got. We wanted it big, but we were, we were more interested in their depth than, than the flash. Because what happens, a lot of times we have a lot of leaves in the kingdom, but we don't have a lot of fruit. It looks like it's pretty. It's pretty. It's appealing, but it's not fruitful. It doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't really multiply in the long run. It just, in the fall, it falls off, and there's no fruit there. Mm. So what we decided years ago is that in our in our student ministry that we would develop people deep because we wanted them to see we wanted to see them serve Jesus in ten fifteen years, not in five or six minutes. But some of you and 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 I'm included. There's been points in my life where I've come in and I, and God has spoken and then. Ah! It's different. It's going to be different now. It's going to be different now. Two weeks later, oh, remember that? Well, don't judge me. What's wrong with you? You know, the Scripture actually calls us to judge the fruit of the believers. If someone calls themselves a Christian, we need to call them on their Christianity. All right. Where are we at? So they had these plants, these trees, rather, in... Uh, in California, we're gonna stay a little long today. Y'all are uh, y'all were all late anyway. So I'm just kidding. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm gonna get that time. I'm gonna get that hour and a half out of here. I'm just kidding. All right. Yeah, I'm just being serious. <laughs> Dang, he's mean. All right. So they had these trees. You go to like Northern California or whatever, and they're these big old trees. These big red oak trees. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? What are they called? Sequoia. Redwoods, that's right, redwoods, red oaks, redwoods. They're not red, they're green, but they, they're huge. In fact, they're so huge, you can cut a big old hole in it and drive a car through it. You got to pay money to do it, but you can drive your car through a tree. I might understand you have to pay money to do that. Pastor Adams, you guys ever do that when you're in California? Never drove through a tree? Dang it. I want to do that. That's like on my bucket list. Drive through, pay money to drive through a tree. 
Well, when I was a, a, a college student, I went to a little kiosk in a mall. How many of y'all have ever been suckered into buying something at a kiosk in a mall? And so I, I walk into this kiosk in the mall, and they have bonsai trees. And I was like, I want a bonsai tree. And so I bought the bonsai tree, and I took it uh, to my dorm room, and I set it out on the balcony, and I watered it once. <laughs> once. And then I came back like a week later, and it was totally dead. The sun had scorched it. And the thing with bonsais is because they don't have a very good root system, it's like, die real easy. You've got to take care of them. They're like a baby. You've got to treat it like a baby. How is it that this little tree can die so easily by me just not giving it a little bit of water? Yeah, you take one of these big old trees in California, you can cut a big old hole in it, enough big enough to drive a car through, and it doesn't die. How does that happen? Because of its roots. So listen, you will go through difficult times. In fact, the sun is there to give you photosynthesis. It's there to grow you. But if you don't have the root system for when that season of challenge and that season of tension and that season of testing comes, if you don't have those roots, you're going to fail the test. And just like that bonsai, you'll be dead and fruitless. And you'll be asking for somebody to revive you. And we'll be happy to do that when that happens. But can I tell you today that God wants you to be fruitful, but it requires the testing. But that which is supposed to refine you is killing you many times because you don't have any depth. You've got to deepen yourself, people. Come on. Are you with me? Y'all all right? I'm your pastor. I love you. All right. Y'all all right today? Dang. No root, no fruit. Number three, the third tree is this, the, wor- the, the, the worldly tree or the worldly ground. Still others like seed sown among thorns. Hear the word. They get it, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The concern of this life, the the stress, the tension, the frustration, the desires for riches, the desires for more, many times come in and squelch what God is doing. And Jesus talks about it this way. It's like thorns wrap around. It's starting to produce, but it says, "Uh uh-uh, not here. And so what we do is we have, we, we have too much world in us, right? Come on, are you with me? We're talking about worldliness. Not just the riches of life, materialism. But by the way, the, the worst problem in America is not our government. The worst problem in America is our materialism. That is, that is what's opened the door to all of this because we just, we just want whatever we want to want, and we, we, just gonna, we want whatever we want and have whatever we can have or entitled to or whatever. It's all materialism. It's all, it's all about what I can get. It's all driven by greed. But the pleasures that this world offers, materialism and morality, for some reason, one, one of those real tensions that I'm having, and some people think I'm old school, but I'm trying to figure out how to be real old school, right? Not old school like 50, 60 years ago, 100, 200 years ago. I'm trying to be old school like 2,000 years ago, Pentecost kind of old school. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. I want to be the kind of guy that walks down the street, and when my shadow falls on people that can't walk, they can walk then. That's the kind, that's the kind of pr- fruit that I want to produce. I don't want to, like, live my life going, okay, God, what can I get away with? Because that keeps us unfruitful. 
That's worldliness. Okay, God, what can I do? What is permissible? So we'll sit around and we'll have debates for 15 hours on what we can and can't do. I'm like, how about we talk about what we can do in the supernatural? Why don't we focus on that? Instead of figuring around and going, well, let's see about my morality and let's just talk about morality. How about you focus on Jesus? Come on. We sit around. We, how much time do we spend? Oh, all things are beneficial, but not all things are permi- All things are permissible, yes, but not all things are beneficial. Not all things will produce fruit in your life. So what are you going to invest in to get more fruit in your life? Can I remind you that this world is not your home? It's not your source of provision. It's not your source of pleasure. The world is our mission. It is not our companion. And when we start seeing ourselves as part of this world and we belong here and I'm just trying to fit in and make everybody like me, we will fail in our mission. Because I'm not here on this planet to get people to like me. I'm here on this planet to get people into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of the world is the kingdom of... I got it. So it's different. It's a different kingdom. You should look different than your unsaved friends. They're going to call you weird. They're going to call you um, bigoted because you're different. Welcome to the kingdom of light. They will hate you. They will kill you. And can I tell you, when that comes to America and that comes to the church, the truly rooted will still produce fruit. But the emotional hearers and the worldly, see ya. You'll cut out. The world is not your home. We are caught up in what we can hold on to. We're so caught up in that. Is it a sin to this? Is it a sin to this? Why why are we even arguing? Like, aren't we? Isn't our goal Jesus on the earth? Ruling and reigning through our lives, producing fruit, producing godly character, doing good works. Isn't this the goal of our life? Not, oh, I just need to do whatever so I can feel better about myself. When do we become so self-centered and so consumed with the embrace of the world? I want to produce fruit that my Father longs for. I want righteousness exemplified in my life. Oh, the beauty of the Lord to shine from my face. What happens when we get real worldly is we get real, like, sarcastic towards people that have different standards than us. Isn't it weird how we get like that? (laughs) He's so old school. (laughs) Man, you need to be old school. I need to be old school. We need to have some deep-rooted values in Jesus and the Holy Ghost. I want to look like the disciples. I want to look like the book of Acts. You're like, well, it didn't really talk about a lot of sin issues. It's because they weren't focused on that. They were focused on changing the world. They were focused on their mission, not on being worldly or trying to fit in. They were arrested and beaten and killed, all of them except for one. You think that happens because they were so nice and lovable? No, it happened because they were different. So what is the process of fruitfulness? We're going to finish up pretty quick here. Listen, other seats. Y'all all all right today? I'm not mad at anybody. (laughs) Everybody say, look at your neighbor and say, he's not mad. 
<laughs> Others, like seed grown on, sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times. How many of y'all want that kind of heart condition that receives the word in that way? How many of y'all want that? So there's, there's, there's kind of three levels, right? First of all, there's the conception. Conception is when the seed is planted. They heard the word. They didn't just listen to the word. Come on. It's called revelation. You didn't just listen to the word. You didn't just read the word. You heard it. Come on. It took a root. It took inside of you. Conception. They heard the word. Number two is cultivation. They accepted the word. They heard it. They accepted it. The cultivation process. The cultivation. And this is where we see the lines being drawn. Isn't it? During the cultivation. It fell. It was there. It was good. But this happened. And this happened. And they couldn't endure. Can I tell you today, stay in the process. Don't bail on the process. We're going to be talking a lot about this in the series. Do not bail on the process. God is working in you. He's working on you. And he wants to work through you. But if that is going to happen, you've got to endure the process. You've got to go through the cultivation. You've got to go through the season of God coming away and cutting stuff out of your life that you want to hold on to. He's going to cut it away. He's going to trim you. Why? Because he wants you fruitful. Cultivation. Work the ground. You got to work the ground. And when you're there and you want to see that fruit, you got to work the ground. Something starts getting hard. There's a rock in there. Let's get rid of that rock. Let's work the ground. Let's work the ground. The rest of my life, the rest of my life, I'm going to work the ground. I'm going to work the ground because tomorrow I want to be fruitful. I'm going to work the ground. I'm going to work it today. I'm going to get before the Lord. And sometimes it's not going to be fun. And sometimes it's not going to feel good. But I'm going to get in His presence when I don't want to. And I got five thousand distractions. I'm going to get in his presence because I want to be fruitful, because I want to cultivate the ground in my heart. And sometimes my heart is hard. And sometimes I'm just emotional. And sometimes I'm worldly. So what I want to do is I want to work the ground so God can work through me and make me fruitful. Number three, the third process is fruition. So once we endure, once we dig in, once we go through the cultivation, God makes us fruitful. It's a healthy heart condition. This is what a healthy heart looks like. A heart that can hear the word, receive the word, and produce fruit. Every word, every sermon you hear, every word you read off the page of your Bible or off your app, every word produces. But you've got to have that heart that's ready to receive Listen, when we are well-rooted and connected to the vine, the Word of God is not added to our life. It's multiplied. So God doesn't want to just produce in you, Lord, give me a little word from your life-giving Scripture. Give me a little word. It's in here. Boom, apple tree. No, 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 no. Give me a word. Give me a little word. I hear it. I receive it. I produce. You don't produce one tree. You produce an orchard. You produce. You produce. Why? You heard the word, you received it. Oh, even though it hurts, I get rid of the hardness. I get rid of the thorns. I get rid of the junk that would hinder me. Now I'm free.